podcast i'm josh and i'm Catherine. and we're recording an episode right now yeah we're finally back from a little bit of like a summer hiatus yeah totally that's what we're gonna call yeah. it for sure no yes. so <laughs> so of uh what have you been up to doing lots of work um, it seems Traveling. yeah working <laughs> working a ton like jobs back to back and then i went to sweden and england for two weeks nice how was which that was it was such a good time. Um, just like catching up with friends. A friend just bought a sailboat. So we went sailing in the archipelago, which was just like amazing. Yeah. I was jealous of all your pictures. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, also I've been doing this, um, project. Um, it's kind of turned in from like a promotional video to being like an actual documentary. Cool. And, um, I'm on retainer until November and then in November I'll start editing and it's been really fun. Um, it's for these people, they have a company called illuminating hearts and they do Hmm. like this kind of like sound like classes and exploration and some sound healing stuff and Mm. it's like totally out of the purview of what I would usually be interested in so which is what is really fun about it yeah because it's really making me challenge myself as a filmmaker and they're giving me lots of freedom and I've been kind of pulling um like kind of the Wiseman kind of Mm-hmm. style into it or I'm just kind of making like more of an observational documentary and which is kind of cool that it went from being like a a promotional video to this um, yeah so it's been really fun so I've been spending a lot of time on that and then I just basically booked like four or five other clients and so I have a bunch of proposals out right now and yeah that's awesome keeping busy and then yes. We're also like in the process of wanting to apply for grants and stuff to do a documentary here um, that I will keep the topic uh, secret until things are more set in stone. But um, I think it's going to be really, really cool. So, Okay. Looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah. Tell me what kind of stuff have you been working on? What kind of jobs have you been getting? Lo- same, a lot of commercial work. Um, and then a friend actually from Vancouver was down here last week and they're shooting a documentary. So I was doing sound for their documentary, which was really nice getting back into that space because pretty much all I've been doing this year is just working on bigger productions and less in the documentary world. So it's given me like a good motivation to get back onto what I want to be doing. Nice. So we've been yeah. working working on documentaries, and now we're back to talking about them. Yes. But before we get to our main film, which we will say is a new film on Netflix, just came out uh, yesterday when we recorded this. Whenever this goes up, it'll probably have <laughs> been out for like a few days at least. Um, it was produced by Michelle and Barack Obama's new production company Mm -hmm. that they teamed up with Netflix to produce uh, films about social change or social issues. Yeah. 
and it's called Higher Ground Productions. And this film is called American Factory. But before we get into that, let's talk about other things we've been watching. <laughs> yes. So we can do a whole Herzog episode, but I know you just watched a couple Herzog films. <laughs> I, di- I did, and after watching them, I don't know if I want to do a Herzog episode. Um, <laughs> I, may, I may have talked about it before on this podcast, but mm-hmm. out of like typically prolific documentarians, one I've just never gotten a hold of, never really enjoyed. Um, and after like doing like a Herzog marathon yesterday, my opinion hasn't really changed. <laughs> so if you guys want a very negative episode, well, not negative, but like critical episode, I'll do it. But I feel like I'm a bit biased still yeah we'll touch on it a little bit tell me about those films and... so i watched grizzly man i still really love um because i think he's a lot more removed from the film and then i watched lo and behold reveries of the connected world which mm-hmm. is about the start of the internet and that one i like kept falling asleep in <laughs> um and then i rewatched. i think it's called happy people yeah. And s- same thing, I couldn't, I can't get into them because I, like, prefer films where the director's a bit removed, it's more observational, and when you, it's a Herzog film, you know it's a Herzog film, and, because he's speaking or narrating most of the way through it, so, mm-hmm. it just removes me from understanding the subjects and getting into the story. Yeah, I wonder if, like, with Grizzly Man what the difference is because i do feel like grizzly man's kind of his um peak Mm -hmm. documentary yeah one thing i was reading about him was that he likes to show the contrast and the conflict between humanity and nature Mm. whereas i like films i think that show the cohesiveness or like the like even though there's challenges but how people in the environment or people in nature can exist like harmoniously whereas he does the opposite so maybe that's Mm. why thematically i also don't agree with some of his stuff yeah i can see that i was just interested to hear yeah Um, because i definitely see that like it's not one of those things that i am gonna like argue against because i think that it's whenever a filmmaker puts themselves like so much into Mm -hmm. the work that if you don't connect with that person on some level then it's harder to get into the film yeah, and I wouldn't say they're bad films. I think they're definitely well-made. It's just sort of like, a t- I don't even know if taste is the right word, but like people like certain genres of music. I, and people like certain genres of film, and I just don't click with his work. Yeah, I feel you. Well, I have been watching so much stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get into all of it. Yeah. Um, but one thing this I did want to highlight was... I just watched a film called Screwball, which was about um, kind of the doping scandal in baseball. And it's from the director of Cocaine Cowboys. It takes place a lot in like Miami. Um, And 
it's one of those things where there's like things that I really, really love about it because it's, it's, it's so entertaining. Um, it's incredibly entertaining. That's the one thing I'll give to it. Like anybody, like you can go watch it. It's fun to watch. Um, but as far as like a documentary, there's some things I kind of hate about it just cause like they have like children, like do all the reenactments. Oh, and it's like a weird gimmick that I don't like. Um, I'm fine with reenactments, but like for some reason, like those just, I hate it a lot. And then, um, (laughs) yeah. And then, um, just sometimes like the pacing, you know, seems to be more about trying to make it feel like a thriller or something, which is fine. And Mm. I think that's why it's so entertaining, but it, it makes me question like, you know, the documentary aspect of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's really entertaining. Definitely worth a watch. It's called Screwball. Um, and then there's a... Yeah. Okay. Okay, so HBO just released a couple of true crime documentaries, and I just watched those. They released, like, three new ones, and then one of them is called Who Killed Garrett Phillips, and it's about this unsolved murder, um, about this kid who was murdered in his apartment and the cops in this small town kind of spend way too much of their time focusing on one guy who like clearly most likely didn't do it and at least the film makes a really good case that he didn't um but the film unfolds like really well it's a beautifully made movie and you really feel for the guy who gets accused of this murder because he seems like such a like kind family man and like a good dad and and you just kind of wonder why all the focus was on him. Um, so that's incredibly interesting. And then the other one that I'll say is like really, really good was called "I Love You Now Die." The Commonwealth oh, versus yeah, the Commonwealth <laughs> versus Michelle Carter. And it's about you know it's just one of those films. It's about one of those stories you heard about, um, but don't really know the details of it. Hmm. Um, so it's about this girl who was like texting her boyfriend at the time. Uh, and he was like suicidal and she was basically like pushing him to do it, to commit suicide. And she ended up getting arrested, um, for involuntary manslaughter Uh, basically. Oh yeah. I remember this, this news story. Yeah. So it's, so I only knew that part about it. And then the film does a really good job at like, um, diving into that and you go in with one set of expectations about this person. And then in like the next episode, it just totally questions everything you just learned and dives mm-hmm. like into a lot more nuance and detail into this story. And you kind of come out um, really challenged. And I love whenever a true crime documentary does that. Cause mm-hmm. you know, the, the Garrett Phillips one is super, um, doesn't leave a lot of room for questioning and it doesn't really challenge you too much. Um, and it's just a good movie and you'd really feel for the person, but this, I love you now die film was just like, it really challenges you and takes yeah. you on this like roller coaster of emotions. And, and I thought it was incredibly well done. I definitely would say there's probably like, should be like a trigger warning on that film or something okay. because there's a lot of talk about suicide and depression mm-hmm. and, uh, and being manic and all that stuff. Um, 
but it's a really, really well done movie, and I definitely suggest uh, watching it. Mm. And then, so that'll be, those are my suggestions right now, documentaries I've been watching, so. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to shout out? Um, oh, we so do have to do an episode about Monrovia, Indiana. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. And speaking, like, when we started talking about screwball, I think we should do documentary, like good documentaries on sports. Mm. It's, it's a bit out of like my comfort zone, but I feel like there are some pretty good ones out there. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the 30 for 30 ones are do a really good job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, totally. Yeah, we should do a sports episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, yeah, I went and re-saw Free Solo because it was playing at Red Rocks, which I think is like one of the best locations to see that film. And I'll still like, I may have talked about it before, but I like highly recommend it because I think seeing it now for the second time, I realize it's not really an outdoor film. It's more of a like character study of Alex Honnold because he is such a crazy, almost superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah, I didn't realize how much it more of dives into his psychology than actually the climb itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I picked that up at the library the other day along with um, a documentary about Philip Glass, what I, which I'm really excited about, and then um, Sweetgrass so I could rewatch it. Um, oh, yeah, future episode we're going to do, definitely. Yeah, we're definitely going to do a sensory ethnography episode. <laughs> yeah, so may- yeah, maybe next one. Yeah, I got I got Leviathan, yeah. too, so. I don't know that one. I'll write that down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the oh, same. Uh... I think it's the same director as Grass. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I might yeah. be mistaken. Should we talk about American Factory then? Yes, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so do you want to do like a quick synopsis? Okay, so American Factory is a documentary about a factory in Ohio that was formerly a GMC um, plant, and it gets shut down when pretty much all the factories do during, what time was that? The, like 2008, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And then it gets bought and reopened by a Chinese billionaire. And it deals with sort of the relationship between the American work ethic and the Chinese work ethic and where that's going in the future and if it's possible for them to coexist. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it, for sure. So what are your initial impressions of... I have so many notes on this. It's crazy. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. Um, I thought it was a great political film without being too political. It presented a lot of very relevant issues that are going on today without presenting a strong solution. Like it shows you what's going on in these sort of conflicts um, that are happening and then kind of lets you interpret them, which I really appreciate. and I think it doesn't villainize anyone, too. Like, there's pros to the American workers and American culture and cons as well. And then the same can be said about the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Those are, that's what I wrote down, actually, for my first impressions category. Okay. My, yeah. my first first impressions were the cinematography, which is mm-hmm. really well done. Yes. You can definitely tell they had high production 
comparatively to a lot of documentaries. And then the score, the music, I think, yeah. was just really well done. Like, I don't know. There was something about it that just felt very, like, uh, elevated to me. You know what? I never, like, wrote anything down about the score, but maybe that's, like, because it was so strong, you didn't notice it. Like, it matched the tone so well. Yeah, I think that Yeah. I did notice it for whatever reason, but maybe I was just in that headspace, but I was just, like, it wasn't distracting, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, man, okay. Yeah, because so. like, where to start? In some ways, I agree with your assessment that mm-hmm. it is about it is about like the American work ethic versus the Chinese, um, but also like the culture behind it too. Yeah, like I don't, I wouldn't say it's that Americans don't have as strong as a work ethic. It's that the idea of being American is different than the idea of being Chinese, and like what comes with that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a bigger story, though, because it's mm-hmm. about. So there's some certain quotes that I wrote down because um, yeah. they do talk because I don't think that they're as different as the film even like almost makes it out to be because mm-hmm. um, there are parts where they're talking about American workers are too lazy and um, and, you know, you should all be united and uh, concentrate on your efforts. So, so those are some quotes that I wrote down whenever some of the Chinese workers were talking about the American workers. But there's mm-hmm. also a Chinese worker where they, uh, you know, oh, I'm tired, but I have no choice but to be here, basically. And that was, I wrote that. that I yeah. actually wrote that quote down, too. Yeah, and that was from a Chinese worker. And then that one guy who was, you know, he came out from... Um, um, you know, China to come work in this factory and he hasn't seen his family in so long. And he's like, the only good part of my day is like getting home and smoking a cigarette, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the bigger s- story is, it's hard to articulate, but one mm-hmm. of the things that I really kept thinking about was how, America, American factories used to be a lot like the Chinese factories are. People had to work all day. They didn't have weekends. Uh, they were exhausted. They were super tired all the time. Uh, America used to be just like that at the beginning of industrialization. Mm-hmm. And then the labor movement, the unions came in. And they fought for eight-hour work weeks. They fought for weekends. And they fought for higher wages. And then when that happened, all these American companies pulled out of the U.S., drove wages down, and then now yeah. it's like this cyclical nature of now all these Chinese factories, which are doing all the same things that the American factories did in the early 1900s, you know, uh, union busting and uh, all of this like propaganda against unions and you know all of this stuff is like the story of America. Mm-hmm. They're just at that earlier part now. And we're at yeah. this like weird part where now wages are driven down and now these Chinese companies are trying to come here. And basically like, you know, people that were working on, you know, for union factory jobs, making $29 an hour, mm-hmm. you know, they were working for $12 an hour now. Yeah. And, and then the one thing that they did to try to fight against the unions was give people a $2 raise. So sure. Now they're making $14 an hour. That's still 
half of what they were making whenever they had a union job for mm-hmm. an, for GM. And that $29 an hour was hard fought, you know? And so it's just so interesting to see this like cyclical nature of what capitalism is in general. Yeah. And especially or globalization as well. Yeah. And it was really interesting because like you're saying, China is now doing what the States did. And it does present that argument and that I felt like there was a bit of like a hopelessness to it in a way that Mm -hmm. there's no way, like realistically, if you look at it, that we'll be able to keep up. It's either they're going to bring in Chinese workers or change our standard of working or just be making stuff out there um, because they all they really care about is profit for the most part. Um, But then it brings in something very interesting at the end was the, um, automation or like mm-hmm. the standardization of working where it's like yes. oh the whole time we think the conflict is between sort of chinese factories american factories and ha- unions versus non-unions but now it's like no everyone's being replaced by machines so like mm-hmm. it's going to become an even bigger problem where like instead of the chinese and americans they're not fighting each other but having conflict um in a way mm-hmm. it's going to be them together dealing with this issue because all workers are going to be affected by machines taking their jobs. And this is exactly like, Oh man, there's so much here in this film. Mm -hmm. It's just insane. Uh, And yeah, there's even like a little subtleness of like maybe who Trump voters are and a Mm -hmm. bit of why and how I was reading something and it pointed out a bit to how like, not all Trump voters are racist in a way because mm-hmm. you can see the people who are being left behind economically and their jobs are gone and they are all like they just don't feel like they have opportunity. Um, and so, yeah. And to me, like one of the bigger stories about this is like now with globalization, we're like starting over at the beginning of the industrial capitalism that we had Mm -hmm. and now workers have to fight even harder, um, to survive. And some other things I was thinking about is just like, how did they get this access with this like CEO, this chair? Yes. Did he not know? Cause especially China is very, um, no, just blanked. Um, what's it called? Not journalism. Um, media sorry yeah china's very controlling over their media and like what gets put out there and like did they trick him the the chair (laughs) into like what sort of documentary they were making i i don't know maybe it's just because like they're like oh it's you know the obamas (laughs) or you know what i think it could be is because oftentimes in the film they're saying we need to make americans like appreciate not appreciate but accept the chinese mm-hmm. we want them to think fondly of us like in all the trainings they would do they'd have separate trainings for the chinese and for the american workers and in the chinese meetings they were constantly saying that they need to accept us they need to understand us mm-hmm. so maybe in the process of this they're like oh if we make a film they'll like us more and it's like well yeah we don't like the chair anymore well here's here's the one thing i wanted to bring up too is is just talking about how, so I think there's an undercurrent too of this film being about fascism Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and specifically, um, America could possibly be on its way to becoming that because they're talking about, you know, 
this company, you know, they came here and they got a shit ton of, uh, you know, they got a ton of subsidies and tax breaks and stuff to build a factory in Ohio because Ohio people were desperate for Mm -hmm. jobs. Right. And the company came in and they basically gave people these jobs where they're just being beaten down. You know, they're the safety, um, there's so many safety concerns and then their bigger move forward as a company was to come into this small town, exploit, you know, people's hopelessness in order to get tax breaks and stuff. And then, uh, take that. And then now their biggest goal is to automate and get rid of workers in general. I, that was something I noticed. Yeah, I totally agree with, and that I'm wondering if them coming in and making a big spectacle, the whole plan along the entire time was to switch to machines. They yeah. just had a, like a three-step process so that it didn't look as bad mm-hmm. as it does. Well, and I think and, that's what American yeah. companies do in other places, too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like, it's not about China and America. It's about capitalism in general and versus labor, right? I agree because at the end, like even with the like subplots of like the relationships between the different workers, you start to see like one of the guys. They both work in the like the furnace department, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This guy is now like my brother." Yeah, and you realize, yeah, it's the workers against the system. It's not, mm-hmm. and against the potential loss of their jobs to technology. Yeah. So along the fascism line. There was the part where they were talking to the factory head in China. And um, he was saying, he was explaining his role because he was a union leader in China. His brother-in-law yeah. is the CEO of this company. And the government is very, has their hands in this company as well. Uh-huh. As far as like, he even says like the government, you know, the union and the company were all trying to like, force the workers to like come together and unite together. Right. And there's this quote from Mussolini (laughs) that it it automatically reminded me of. And it is, um, I declare that henceforth capital and labor shall have equal rights and duties as brothers in the fascist family. So he's basically saying like, uh, what China is doing, you know, the company Mm -hmm. and the capitalists and the workers have equal rights to be all in the fascist family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in a way, America, in a lot of ways, we're on our way to that. You know, Mm -hmm. these corporations come in and they have so much control over our lives and the union busting and stuff is specifically that, you know, it's about, it's about taking away people's voice and then telling them that they're trying to give them a voice. Well, yeah, they had those meetings recorded. There's one part where there's no visuals, but just audio, and they bring in this anti-union rep, and they force the entire company to listen to this, this guy speak, and he's saying, basically, if you go on strike or if you want to jo- join a union, you'll be permanently replaced. We can't fire you, but you're permanently replaced. And it's like that's the exact same thing. Yeah. And so they're threatening, they're basically threatening them and pretty much all it's a, 
bit of a spoiler, but not really, but all of the people who speak out in protests and are pro-union end up getting fired. Mm-hmm. And this is like the the thing that it's really struck me is that this is the story of labor in America over the past X amount of years. This is what GM mm-hmm. was doing. This is what Ford was doing, you know. And then now you have this like uh, new company coming in that's providing all this hope and they're just doing the same thing. To me, yep. it's about the cyclical nature of mm-hmm. capitalism. And this is how capitalism operates no matter what country you're from. Yeah. And the biggest difference is capitalists and this state in a country like China are much more intertwined and we have to be careful about that because otherwise that could happen here and then we could Mm -hmm. end up going back to having to work like 18 hour days and not having weekends and working in dangerous conditions and not having the laws that we fought for and that's what kills me about the film is like we we fought for all this before yeah it's scary because I felt similar like the only way to keep up if we want to be like a manufacturing labor country is by doing what China's doing. Cause there's no way we can match their profits and that shouldn't be the answer. And then they, yeah. And that second argument too, of it's going to be machines. So like it, it, yeah, it doesn't really present a very hopeful outlook <laughs> Yeah. now I, thinking about I, it. You have to go outside of the film, I think in order to like find that um, yeah. the film is pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem because it's very also like people focused and workers focused, which I really enjoyed. So you don't you don't necessarily feel or see that until now that I just watched it this morning. But like <laughs> sitting down and like talking about it, you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think the the hopefulness is in the the. um, It's in the subtext and it's in the. Mm-hmm. It's in the people working together, even though the union lost at that factory. Yeah. It's the fact that, like, that fervor is still there. And that at least and, this film... Oh, sorry. No, and, and and then outside of that, hopefully we can look and find that maybe we could go beyond unions because um, unions are incredibly important, and I believe in mm-hmm. unions, but I also believe in taking it a step further and, like, hopefully workers owning their own production (laughs) Hmm. and you know, maybe there's some hope in like workers like taking over the factories and, and at some point like making the money for themselves as worker owned companies, you know, but that's like outside of the film. It doesn't like, it it doesn't propose that that's just like me taking my own ideologies and, Mm -hmm. and applying it to that. But it did remind me of this book I just got called Fully Automated Luxury Communism. Basically, the idea is that utopia has always been like, we're going to build all these machines and it's going to make work easier for everyone. But what happened is like we built all these machines and then people work in more and more and more and more and they're making less and less and less and less and they have less and then, rights. Yeah. And, and the richer become richer. Yeah. And it's about like, how do you build beyond that and make a society to where we can work less and produce these goods, um, but do it in a way where, um, you know, people make a living wage and they're, they're, they have leisure time, you know, this film doesn't really like tackle that though. This is kind of just more of the, I think this is more presenting the problem. 
mm-hmm. and it does it in a way that I think is incredibly like uh, articulate. Yeah. And I hope more people watch it because this kind of stuff is like what I talk about with my political friends and stuff like all the time, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's super relevant right now. And it's one of, like I wrote down too, I think it's one of the biggest problems the world is facing within globalization besides, like besides the environment and like the mass movement of people, I think this and like people being replaced by machines or like countries going to work in other countries, like it's going to be a huge issue for jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that there's like, um, you know, people like Andrew Yang with the, um, uh, universal basic income. That's an idea that's going around. Uh, you know, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting to have this conversation and it's, it's nice to see it come on such a big platform that hopefully people Mm -hmm. can just come across it and they'll watch it and see that like the, the solution isn't to have these giant companies come back and build factories. Like, even though this is a Chinese company, this is essentially what Trump said was going to save us, right? We were going to have manufacturing back in the U S but if you just have manufacturing back in the U S but the workers don't have any rights, then, you know, you're Mm -hmm. not making America great again. You're making it like shitty again. Like it was before the the labor movement. (laughs) Um, is his name pronounced cow or chow? It's the chairman. I know, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember anyone's name in this movie, to be honest with you, but. I had to write it down. But the chairman actually says in one of his speeches, let's make America good again. And I was like, there's so much behind that statement alone where it's like, like you're saying, we're not making it great. We're making it good. And also we're now seeing sort of the motivations and who he's tied to in a way. And like, Mm -hmm. this is what. This is what's happening because of this administration. Yeah, and then whenever you have like governments as involved in the companies as they are, you you start to see that maybe this isn't really about like it's more about relationships mm-hmm. between countries rather than being about um rather than being about actually like building profitable factories here in the US, mm-hmm. you know. Um and how much shit they talk about American workers is like heartbreaking. (laughs) It's just like relentless, you know? And it's like, uh, I don't think that I, I don't think that we should inherently think, and I know you're not saying this, but I don't think that we should inherently think cause yeah, you already said that it doesn't have villains, but I think some people could watch this and be like, Oh, they're so smug in China or whatever. And then, but it's it's because they present it by going back and visiting a factory in China. It's just yeah. culturally, the two countries are so different, have a very different history. And it's like, I think because they provide that segment of the film, you realize. Well, I think that it's, that... it's not anyone's fault. Like, well, I it's think a that very it's... like strong, like nature or sorry, nurture versus nature in a way where it's nurture is the reason we have things we do or act the way we do. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, and it's the fact that, like, we did work like that, you know, mm-hmm. but we fought against it. And in in the labor movement, you know, and in China, they didn't have that, unfortunately. Yeah. They're at the beginning of their industrialization. They're just in a different place. You know, at some point, 
all of those workers and protests that are happening right now in like Hong Kong and like all of these, you know, huge protests will end up happening Mm -hmm. at some point probably. Um, and they'll fight for better wages and stuff. And then those companies are just going to pull out and go to cheaper places. And then they're going to be in the same place that we are now. That's, but I, or they're going to go to machines. (laughs) I was about to say as much as like, I've brought that up a lot. Like they put it at the end of the film in the perfect spot that you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, not all this is now irrelevant. It's about machines. Yeah, they're just like walking through. Like we're gonna get rid of four people here. We're gonna get rid of like five people at mm-hmm. this post. You know, we're gonna have like yeah. And I think that um, the parallel there is like, you know, the Chinese factories will end up being just like the American ones, where it's like mostly uh, whole cities are decimated because of that. But well, I also want to say like, that like. Oh, yeah, I also want to say that some of the workers, you know, in China were really, like, uh, cognizant of the fact that, like, I don't understand how people can go from this job to another job, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, I see the Americans working really, really hard, you know. Um, yeah. And then it's almost like the propaganda from the top that keeps telling all of these lower people at the Chinese factories that like, Oh, look how lazy all these Americans are. You're over here working mm-hmm. on the weekends and they don't want to, you know? Yep. And the truth is, is like, uh, you know, we fought against that. And so we have that history. We have that labor struggle behind us. And I think that a lot of the Chinese workers saw that and, you know, and, whenever they show the people at those factories, you know, they're all talking about, some of the people are talking about how, you know, they work all the time and it's so great and stuff. Um, but a lot of people are exhausted and they are basically just saying that like, this is just what they have to do. You well, know? They, there's that one lady, she's like, yeah, they, she just sees her kid maybe once a year and she's like, I don't have a choice. And it's, mm-hmm. I think almost as much as they haven't protested, I think they're also very aware about the machines. Cause I noticed how the filming or like the cinematography in the Chinese plant, they almost look like robots in a way because mm-hmm. of how efficient they are and like back to back to back and like how much stuff they're processing. And I think maybe they're a bit more realistic because they never had, like you're saying, the the revolution or the American dream idea of like, we need to follow our passions because they're like, if we don't work like this, we will be replaced either by another person or probably a machine very soon. Like they have to, whereas because we have unions or sort of have unions here and have a bit more freedom, we're not as fearful of that change. Yeah. I think it really comes down to, as well, like the workers there, I think it comes back to the fascism thing too, is like the mm-hmm. workers there act like they're in the military. They do. They and line. They, they, there's a scene where they line up and do yeah. a count off. And I wrote down like, is this the military? Mm. And then they have like the, they have that militaristic loyalty to the company, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I think that it's like a kind of a warning to us, like, to not get that loyalty, you know, Mm -hmm. and to keep the class consciousness. I think this film is really about building, rebuilding class consciousness in America. I hope, Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm hoping it comes down to, you know, realizing that we fought for so many of the things that we take for granted and we're letting it go, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And part of the way that we can rebuild that is like bringing unions into factories and stuff like that, but also maybe finding a system that works better for everyone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. There was some like really good stuff though of like the whenever they were singing all those songs about the company. Oh my god. It yeah. like was resemblant of North Korea. Oh totally. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have all these songs about the company they're working for. They have that loyalty. And then there was that counter um The scene. Americans come up and do the YMCA. Well there was that. There was that. But then whenever they were fighting for the union then they had they were singing union songs, you know, and that mm-hmm. was like so beautiful to me, because it's it's less about singing about this like company that you work for and more singing about yourself, you know, and your own mm-hmm. strength, um, rather than just how great this company is and how happy we are, you know. It's like it's that same uh, thing that they do in like North Korea where they're like, oh, we're very happy here, you know. Yeah. It's like what fascism does. Oh, we're totally happy. There's no problems, you know. Um. But then you see yeah. you see the cracks in the facade as they go through the factory, and you get those mm-hmm. little snippets like that woman that hasn't seen her kids, you know. And then yeah, you, just this. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and then you just see the union song, and it's like it's so hopeful because yeah. it's like singing about your own power, you know, and how if we come together, we can like have our own power against you know this kind of. Yeah. This just made me think of like Silicon Valley in general. Mm-hmm. I don't, because um, as much as people out there are making money, I think the work ethic there and the culture behind working there is so toxic and is almost a bit similar to like what was seen in the Chinese factory. Because it's like you see someone getting married there and like all their life re- revolves around the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I, in the tech industry, that's very similar in that like these workspaces, you have your laundromat, you have Mm -hmm. your gym and like your life has become just work. Mm -hmm. And as much as this film doesn't tackle that, like, I don't know. It's just making me think that like, that's not a very productive thing either. And that we need to be very like wary of. Yeah, that's true. That's a really, yeah. See, that's what I'm hoping this film can do is like bring in more of I just think it's such a good conversation. It is starter. such a good conversation. Yes. And I like, really, I yeah. really loved this film just because I think this is a lot of stuff that like, um, whenever we're talking about Trump and Trump's America, I think this is the conversation we need to be having because it's yeah, not really I, about Trump's tweets. I was it's about not- to say that. Like we're not, we maybe said Trump's name like once or twice during this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And I like that where it's not about him. It's about his policies and what they're, how they're affecting real people and like the future of our country. Yeah. And it's funny that it's put out by the Obamas because like uh-huh. part of the thing while I was watching this and I was like, you know, it sucks that like they're aware of this, this, politic you know and like this problem and we did so little when the obama when Barack obama specifically was the president to really fight mm-hmm. against it in a sub- substantive way mm-hmm. and it's kind of heartbreaking in a sense um yeah but at the same time like i'm glad that he's using that obama money for starting mm-hmm. this conversation because i think this film is a lot more radical than um, it, I think the undercurrents are a lot more radical than it is on the surface. And an, yeah. Obama's a smart guy, and I know that he has to know that. You know, and I think the way in which they did this too, as I said earlier, it doesn't seem like in-your-face political. 
but all the elements are still there as like Crow Union. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that. I think film though, like it it takes those walls and barriers down oftentimes. And so, like, people can watch us without saying, like, oh, this is Obama's film. This is Obama speaking. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a very, um, it's like a format that can be easily embraced. And yeah, I'm hoping that, like, this reaches people of all different sorts of political views. Yeah. Because I think it does address both sides. I'm going to go ahead and say that this is inherently a film about class consciousness. And I think that it genuinely is, like the root of what Marxism is like, Mm -hmm. it's a critique on the capitalist mode of production in society. And it's Marx, you know, never like specifically was like, um, gave you the answers right. Uh, in Das Kapital, it's just about, he's explaining capitalism to you Mm -hmm. and he doesn't tell you what the solution is per se, he just shows you uh, what's wrong with capitalism by just explaining what capitalism is. And I think that that's what this film is doing. It's explaining mm-hmm. the problems without giving you the specific solutions to hopefully spark a conversation on how we move past this and how we support each other and move forward. And so I think at its heart, this is like... Um, a pretty radical film, but it's not a, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever. It's just about like, uh, understanding how things are working right now. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I agree with all that, but I think also the element of globalization is a big, Oh, of course. Part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is part of it in general. Um, because now that we are a global society, um, we have to think about labor and work beyond just like Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to think about how our our production in society and how our work affects the whole world. Yeah. And there's a so one of my favorite parts in the film that I want to bring up is they're with the chairman driving around China and he's like and he says specifically the China mm. of my youth was poor. Now it's all modernized and prosperous. Um, but I feel a sense of loss and I think I was happier when it's poor, you know? So he says that and then he says, and then, yeah, he says something else. Do, so then he talks about like all these meadows and the, and the sound of like birds and like all this stuff. And then he's like talking about how he's built all these factories and he says, do the factories I've built destroy the peace that I miss, you know? And when he said that, I was just like, holy shit, I can't believe he just said that. But there was a question mark at the end. Yeah. But then then he he says this thing where he's like, but the point of living is to work, right? Uh Uh-huh. And you're just like, fuck. You don't care. (laughs) You don't care at all. Yeah. Yeah. And um, another quote I wrote down was one of the workers just saying, we'll never make that type of money again. Those days are over. And then the next thing was like the walkthrough with like the robots and stuff. So that was just kind of, I mean, I thought the film ended so well, like it really kind of put it all together there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just couldn't believe like 
he said all this like such profound stuff and then he's just like uh but the point of living is to work i know i felt very similar i was like because he was saying all this stuff i was like oh maybe he understands what he's doing and actually cares about working and living a simple life and then that last line you're like nope he is a billionaire who all he cares about is efficiency Mm -hmm. yeah oh man yeah this was a good movie i'm i'm actually like kind of surprised on how good it was yeah this is kind of like the documentary like i've been wanting to see Hmm. for a while i feel like um i never thought about it i never thought about including the china part in it but i think that it uh really brought it into like 2019 especially like right now we're dealing with all these tariffs and stuff yeah and trade wars yeah and the because i always tell people like when we talk about, you know, cause people are like, Oh, but capitalism has made America rich and all this stuff. And like, now we're so good and everything is great and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then, and then I would always say like, Oh, but what about the broader impact of like, sure. All these companies made Americans rich and stuff, but all of our stuff is being made in countries like China and Taiwan mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And like capitalism reaches that that part of the world too it's more than just america and more than just american labor and so mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see that perspective through telling the story of american labor now with yeah. <laughs> at a chinese factory <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's 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 interesting that circle of via capitalism we had everything made abroad and now everything's being made or things are now being made here, but not by us. It's just such an interesting like chain of events. Mm -hmm. Dang. Yep. Well, what would you rate this? See it or don't see it? (laughs) I'd say definitely see it. And as always, I'll say there's no excuse because it's on Netflix. So you find somebody's password. Yeah. Go, go watch it. For sure. And it's not, it's definitely like, because I always like to look up articles before to like get some backstory. Because this came out, there wasn't much written on it yet. But so many of the articles were titled like Obama's propaganda film. And I'm like, <laughs> don't, if that's what you're seeing, that's not what it is. Like, yes, it's pro union. Um, but I think it's a very good film that's not it's just very multi dimensional. Yeah. And it's pro reunion with those caveats that like maybe yeah. that's not the solution for True. Uh, the future. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we should call that the episode. Yes. I think that was awesome. <laughs> yes. We're right back at it. Yay. Cool. Um, well, what did we say on this part? I forget now. I think we say thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That does it for another yeah. episode of a documentary oh, yeah. podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, you can visit us on Instagram at a documentary podcast. And our, wait, there's a website, right? Yeah. And then our website, a documentary podcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Joshua Labure. And me at CMS Moments. And the music is by Timothy DeCans. And I think next episode we'll do maybe Sweetgrass and some other ones. So if you guys want to maybe stay, or how do I phrase this? Uh, like if people want to pre-watch like what we're doing. 
Yeah. Fall. Should we say that? Yeah. Go Something watch. Like go watch Sweetgrass, and then also uh, Monrovia, Indiana. So you can be on top of what we're talking about. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that was good. Yeah.